You are listening to episode 58 of the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what it feels like falling in love. You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. I'm your host, certified coach Lisa Schwaller. Each week, we talk about how you can rise above the stress of modern living so that you can focus your energy on what matters most. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello. How are you today? Oh, I love that you're here with me today. It's Sunday when I'm recording this, and I love Sundays. I really love Sunday mornings. Sundays are usually the one day a week that I don't have an alarm that wakes me up. Even though I tend to be kind of an early riser, I just love waking up whenever my body says it's time. Today, I want to talk about love, passion, excitement, and, you know, really what it's all about. So um, I have always been a little bit of a love junkie. I was pretty boy crazy for most of my life, (laughs) actually. And in fact, the inspiration for this podcast came when I heard this old song from the 70s, you know, I fooled around and fell in love. (laughs) So maybe you remember that. And if not, maybe you're younger. Go check it out in the show notes. I have the link to that video of that song. So fooling around and falling in love. That's happened to probably just about everybody. But what is falling in love? Well, there's the the chemical part and then the the thinking and the feeling part. I link to a few different things in the in the show notes. So, I'll try to reference those, but check those out. There's some interesting things you can learn about what that thing is, falling in love. It's one of those things where people know it when they see it, and it's both a mystery and a science project <laughs> in a way. When you think about the chemical aspect, when there is attraction between two human beings, it activates a, a chemical reaction. There's an increase of uh, dopamine and nor- norepinephrine, you know, uh, these These, oh, go out and do new things, the novelty hormones. I know I've talked a lot on the podcast about dopamine. There's even one of my favorite books about dopamine, The Molecule of More, talks a lot about dopamine in relationships and in the motivation to form relationships. And when we're in that high attraction phase, serotonin actually goes down and serotonin can help regulate appetite, desire for sleep. If you've ever been in a new relationship and you're like, I don't feel hungry and I can't sleep, it's because you're high on dopamine and norepinephrine. So it's there are chemical things that happen when our pheromones are bouncing around someone that we're attracted to. But there's a whole additional layer of even just going into why are we attracted to the people that we're attracted to in the first place. One of the most interesting bodies of work is from Gay Hendricks talking about why we're attracted to certain types of people. We see other people and we recognize patterns. Remember that our brains are processing so much more information than we can even hold at the cognitive level. Like there's, they're responding and making maps so that we're more efficient in the future. 
When we're attracted to people, it could be because our minds are recognizing like, oh, this is someone who's familiar to me. This is someone that I'm used to forming patterns with. So maybe you, maybe a friend of yours, if you've ever been like, oh, you just seem to kind of date the same person over and over and over. And what's that about? Is that most people do pick partners that have a familiarity to them. But think about you and your own life. What do you believe about love, partnership, who you're attracted to and why, and falling in love? In addition to what's happening at your brain chemistry level and what's happening at the brain recognition level, there's so many thoughts and opinions about romantic relationships that are modeled for us when we're kids. They're modeled in our culture. They're modeled in our families of origin. It's interesting to think about the messages about dating that are in different generations. So if you watch a show, you know, with, I don't know, the the greatest generation, baby boomers, generation X, like if you want to use those labels. But if you look at the different shows, you'll see different cultural and social messaging between Ricky and Lucy Ricardo than you would have seen on 90210, than you would see on shows for millennials. It's fun for me, especially being a coach who works with lots of people in different generations, is to recognize how strong there's cultural messaging about what it means to be boyfriend-girlfriend or boyfriend-boyfriend or going into sex and when is sex appropriate and how that's changed over the years. It's fascinating that when we as one individual person goes out to into the world and maybe we're single and looking to form a romantic attachment to other people that our brains have a lot of information that they're there it's kind of like running through all of these checklists and rubrics and and that all influences who we might form an attachment to in the first place then there's being in the relationship with an individual person Pause and think about what does falling in love mean to you? What does being in love mean to you? Are those things the same or different? Do you fall in love and then you're in love and then you fall out of it? It's so funny the way we even our language around it. You just fall into it. It wasn't deliberate or intentional. It just sort of happened. And then you're in it, then you can be out of it, as if it's this passive thing that just happens to or at us. But what does that mean for you? What does it mean to be falling in love, being in love, falling out of love? What actually shifts? And that's where coaching is so fascinating, because a lot of what shifts is how you're perceiving and thinking about the situation. Maybe falling in love is like, oh, we seem to have a lot of common or... I think they're really cute, whatever that may be. There's the feelings of love, like being accepted, being validated or understood. Maybe there's a sense of feeling secure or connected. Maybe there's passion. 
There's actually a lot of people who are really attracted to people who generate feelings of insecurity. They never quite know if they're certain, and that tension creates a lot of what is perceived as love or attraction. So there's love feelings. And a lot of those love feelings come from what we're thinking. You are in a relationship, and you may think, oh, that other person makes me feel this way, or they cause me to feel this way. But it's really the other person's just, they're they're not making anything. You're having thoughts that are very meaningful for you. That the feeling of falling in love isn't because the other person is doing or saying anything. It's because of the way we're reacting to that. There's an assumption that just because the hormones shift, that the thinking would need to shift with it. What I mean by that is, so I've trained in the Gottman Method couples therapy, and they've built so much science over what causes a relationship to be successful over time, even despite the fact that our hormones change over time. That dopamine and norepinephrine, that high feeling, literally, that feeling high from our hormones feeling, it's not sustainable, so it does change over time. But that's where what the Gottmans call companionate love can come in, is then it becomes less about your hormones keeping you together as your thinking and decisions keeping you together, that you have this opportunity to show up as a kind person and form a long-term commitment to another person, which I think is really awesome. In fact, one of the things that the, the Gottmans, which there's John Gottman, he researches, and Julie Gottman, she is a clinician, and the two of them practice together. It offers a really robust view of sustainable relationships. And they've been collecting data on people for over 40 years. They have amazing research to back up their practices. They have options or kind of a recipe for what causes a relationship to work versus what causes a relationship to break down. But at the end of it, kindness is the most important variable across what they've studied, is that if we show up being kind to ourselves and kind to our partner, that that is the most important ingredient to a healthy long-term relationship or a healthy short-term relationship. Not all relationships need to last in perpetuity to add a lot of value to your life. So there's the chemistry of love the emotional experience of love, but then tuning into the thinking that happens when you're falling in love, being in love, or falling out of love, like the, that that odd passive language that we use culturally to describe relationships. Now, I'd like to just kind of pause and pivot. Can being in love help you manage stress? That's an interesting question. One thing that research has found is that people in long-term relationships tend to be happier, however that's described, than single people. There's a lot of theories about why this is the case. It is being single a problematic? I think that in some cultures, it actually is perceived like, oh, if you're single, you must be lonely or you're chasing superficial things, which again, that's just cultural messaging that um, reflects group thinking about 
what's valuable versus what is less valuable. But can being in love help you manage stress? I mean, maybe. There is something to be said for when people feel like they're in love and they have all that that hormone goodness, all of that dopamine. Dopamine causes us to do things. So it may help you take care of yourself a different way, or maybe even you're just a little bit kinder and more generous when you want to show up lovingly to your partner. Does being out of love cause you stress? Not necessarily. What's interesting is when people think that love is actually going to help be a solution for them, when if you pause and say, well, what is it? What's so great about being in love? And how can I just incorporate that into my life even when I'm not in a partnered relationship? I am a woman. I am now 50. And I am not in a relationship and not looking right now, which again, for someone who was so boy crazy for so long and almost constantly in a relationship or looking, that's been a bit of a pivot. I stopped looking at being in a relationship as some qualifier for me being validated, loved, and accepted. I'll hear a lot of people being like, well, are you dating? Are you going to start dating? Are you like A lot of people are very curious about my, my dating or no dating life. <laughs> There is, I think, a social preference for people being in a relationship because they know how to categorize you. They know, I don't know, there's just different things that come with that. And then, of course, there are people who, like I've worked with clients who are in um, polyamorous relationships and, and navigating those dynamics socially. At the end of it, having been in a spectrum of different relationship types and my own journey and working with literally hundreds of people on relationship issues, romantic relationship topics, there's no right or wrong except what your brain says is right or wrong. It doesn't matter if you're in love or out of love or next door to love. <laughs> I mean, it. it's almost just um, even just like the whole chemical experience and having this chemical experience equate some sort of value. Pause and think, what do I want for myself? And what do I value? And what do I think about falling in love, being in love, being single, whatever it is that maybe you're navigating in your in the romantic relationship part of your life. That's my invitation for you this week is really get curious about your thoughts. Go ahead, journal it out. What does it mean for you to be in love? Is it something you value and why? Really invite that thinking to come to the surface and notice how much of that is yours, how much of that may be things that you adopted from your own social and cultural messaging. And of course, it's so fun to think, oh, what do I expect from a relationship partner? And do I want to hold these expectations for another human being? Are they things I can take care of myself? I think one of the greatest gifts that I've seen in myself and in coaching clients, and it's not just romantic relationships, it's in all relationships. When you can drop expecting them, you know, you you may have things that you wish and prefer, 
And if they meet it, great. And if they don't, then you just make a decision of how much it values. But instead of trying to control another person, which is so icky to be on the receiving end of that, it's so icky, right? Nobody really likes to be controlled. A lot of people (laughs) that I work with want to show up when it's very generously and authentically provided, whatever they're contributing to the relationship. And I think that when we really take all of this, this whole podcast episode, and pivot it around to falling in love is a choice. Being in love is a choice. Falling out of love is also something that your mind and body are choosing. But you have more control over your experience of this than you think. And when you decide to love yourself with kindness and generosity, it's so much easier to love other people with kindness and generosity. And I find that the less that I expect of other people, the more delighted I am with what they bring to the table. So that's just something to offer you. I hope that all of you are full of love today. I am so full of love today. And I really hope you have a beautiful, beautiful week. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying what you're learning, I'd love to have you as a member of the Less Stress, More Fun community on Facebook. Join me there to continue the conversation from the podcast. Plus, you'll get access to things I share only with community members. I'll talk to you next week.